0: How do huge Mormon polygamous families support themselves? Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? A while back, one of our viewers Ask the question that many people wonder about, and that question is, "How do the men support their huge polygamous families? So many wives and so many kids."
1: And boy, have you got some answers! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's a good question too. And of course, there's a short answer and there's a long answer, and we're going to give you both. <laughs> the short answer is they don't. And how? Uh, and and the rest of the time we're going to take to explain what goes on and how how it works inside all the polygamy groups not just one or two but Mm. several different groups we extracted quotes from books that former plural wives have written detailing horrendous experiences in mormon polygamy and so we're going to get right to it the first one is uh, from the book written by susan schmidt entitled his favorite wife trapped in polygamy and she was a former Girl wife of Verlin LeBaron. She married him just after her 15th birthday, and he was in his 40s. Oh but anyway, this is what she said about the poverty conditions in their home.
1: Chapter 15 on page 138. Breakfast was a bowl of coarsely ground wheat mush with milk and honey and a slice of bread. I had to gag mine, and I wondered how the children could eat with such relish. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Is this going to be my new diet? I said to myself, beginning to feel sick as I tried another bite. As I swallowed a dry piece of bread, a new thought occurred. Verlin can't afford better food than this. With so many wives and children, he has to provide inexpensive foods. I'd never thought about money where Verlin was concerned. I'd assumed he must have plenty or he wouldn't have such a large family, adding even more wives. Maybe he was a health nut and wanted his children to eat healthy grains and vegetables. And that is why there hadn't been any meat on the table last night.
0: At one point, <laughs> and all that was she true had, in my family as well, more. it helped not and no money. Um, at one point, Susan mentions that they actually had turkey and all the trimmings one year for Thanksgiving dinner, which she said it was wonderful to be able to eat something other than the beans and the rice and wheat and, and some green vegetables. That would be quite a treat, wouldn't it? It yeah, seems odd when have, we're so used to having,
1: th- having, so, much, having yeah. so much.
0: She described the living quarters of one of Ervil, the Baron's plural wives.
1: Hmm. I couldn't help staring with dismay at the weather-worn shack. The walls of the two rooms were rough about adobe. Above, a cheesecloth ceiling sagged, stained brown where the rain had leaked through the roof. The floor was bare cement, broken and cracked in several places. The kitchen cupboards were warped, unpainted boards tacked together. A hot plate on one end of the rickety table served as a stove. Dim light filtered through the old plastic that was tacked up to the one window in the room. At the opposite end of the room was a ratty looking couch and a wooden rocking chair. The yard around the house was packed dirt, swept and water sprinkled to keep the dust to a minimum. A chicken wandered past the door and I could see an old outhouse at the comer of the corner, I think, of the bare lot.
0: And some of that describes <laughs> my own home growing up on was the farm. It really?
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> but memories, it was kind so.
0: of a culture shock to her, although she knew polygamy, she had not, not known all that oh dire poverty that they uh, lived in. Susan, at one point, needed some personal necessities for her and for, for um, the home, and so she hesitantly asked Verlin if he could give her some money. And this is how it went.
1: Now on page 232. Verlin, I choked, do you think you could give me some money? There are things I need. He was silent, his fingers drumming on the steering wheel. And then he said, well, I could let you have a few dollars, I guess. Honey, after paying for Irene's house and trying to put a bit aside to start Charlotte's, that doesn't leave much. But here, take this. I'm sorry it's not more. He reached into his pocket, extracted three $1 bills, and handed them to me.
0: Three dollars. Three dollars. <laughs> and Susan was shocked, of course. If, if You read the book, and she had expected. And this at least isn't a like
1: 1850, right? This no,
0: is, no. This, this is relatively t- t-
1: current. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So, and her book just dis- uh, describes in detail the horrible poverty that not only Susan and her sister wives, but also other families of the LeBaron polygamy group suffered, almost without exception. Poverty is the expected lifestyle of a plural wife. In every group, as a child, I could never understand why God required such poverty for women and children who were trying so hard to please Him. I was determined that when I grew up, I would not suffer the deprivation and impoverishment that I experienced as a child and witnessed other families' sufferings. Another story is from Kristen Decker, a former plural wife from the All Red Polygamy Group. Now, notice we're going to go through different groups so we can see the similarities. Her book is entitled 50 Years in Polygamy, Big Secrets and Little White Lies. About the lack of provision and support in the large family she was part of, we read this on page 108, chapter 21, entitled Poverty and Dumpster Diving. That pretty much answers the
1: question. What a great hobby. (laughs) Every Wednesday and Saturday, my children and I shopped at the local grocery stores in their dumpsters. We found all sorts of discarded food still sealed in wrappers but past the expiration date. Sometimes we discovered a gold mine of toys, coloring books, cereals, and crackers. Once we were home, the kids and I took a closer look at our treasures, going through every single thing. We cut off spoiled parts and ditched foods that were slimy and moldy. (laughs) At least they had some standard. At least they had some, yeah. Many
0: years later, Kristen writes that she thought all of her emotions and her negative feelings towards getting food stamps to feed her family but she said that was the only way that she could put food on the table and feed her children. We go now to Carolyn Jessup and a different polygamy group, the FLDS. She was a plural wife of Meryl Jessup and she found her story can be found in the book Escape, which she wrote, and we quote from page 149.
1: Money was a prime means of control for Merrill as it was for some men in the FLDS. Women who worked were required to turn over their income, all their income to their husbands as well as any money gotten from welfare. Merrill had plenty of money, but that didn't mean we had enough food. Merrill gave us $500 a week, and that sounded like a lot when I first heard, well, it, you but, first heard
0: it, but <laughs> to feed
1: at least 30 people every night and more than 50 on the weekends when relatives joined us for Sunday dinner. But Merrill let his teenage daughters do the shopping. Those of us at home often would have nothing more than a bowl of soup or some beans. Some nights we would have something like a few cans of cream of chicken soup mixed into a big pot of rice. Complaining was out of the question. While I could tell my mother that I was hungry and was not getting enough food, if I became at all critical of Merrill, she'd refuse to hear any more and would stop listening to me. A man has the absolute right to control his house in any way he chooses.
0: And what's sad about that is a mother's... <laughs> Will sit back and allow their daughters, oh, okay. their own children, to go through this, yeah. and and give all, you know, give give over all we'll responsibility. Realize to the
1: guy. all they're sacrificing, and they're having their daughters doing yeah. the same sacrificing. Yeah, and it's awful. All in the name of God. All that's in the name of God. That's, so, that's
0: the horrible thing about all this. That, that's why we do this. Yeah, you know, they sure. can go do everything they want, but they'll bring God into it. But that's, they bring God into it. They make it. Um, salvation contingent on this and that is not true Uh, Carolyn writes about the financial crash which left her husband on the verge of bankruptcy uh, later on and so his huge polygamous family had already been surviving on a very prudent budget but now things were worse than they had ever been Um, now they only had a $100 a week to feed their family of 6 wives and 30 children She said, it had always been bad, but now actual hunger entered their experiences, which made it much worse. She said, they had rarely enough bread, yet there were nearly 20 children in grade school and younger.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: There simply wasn't enough cash. She planted a garden so that they could eat from its harvest. They purchased flour for bread and had beans in the cellar, and of course they bottled vegetables and fruit. But despite their best efforts, she said, the tension at home was easily ignited because of their poverty and hunger. So you see, the answer to the question, how are such huge families supported? The short answer is they really aren't. Hmm. Anna LeBaron, or I think she says Anna LeBaron, is how she says Anna. her name, she wrote a book entitled The Polygamous Daughter, and she is from the LeBaron polygamy group, which is the one that Susan is from. Uh, we read, but from a different generation. Hmm. So we're going to read from page 53.
1: I earn money to buy food for the family by selling cake slices, and I scrub clothes on an old fashioned washboard, hanging them on the clothesline out back to dry. At any given time, we might have anywhere from nine to twenty of my father's followers and children living under the same roof. That many people produce tons of dirty clothes.
0: (laughs) And that many people would require a lot of food to feed them, right? Um, The wives and children, of course, were expected to work all day. That's the way it was in the Kingston group that I was in. Wives and children expected to work all day, six days a week. Uh, In the summer, they had an appliance store warehouse where they cleaned and repaired used appliances and then sold them. Mm -hmm. The sister wives and the kids old enough to, to work would wake up early in the morning. And before they left the house, they would make their lunches for everyone for the day. She explains it like this.
1: Yes. The women would set loaves of bread on the table, bread that had been bought at the bakery thrift so far beyond the expiration date that it was intended as animal feed. Anyone who spotted any mold on the bread just pinched that part off. Then we kids coated a side of one piece of bread, a thin layer of mayonnaise, and on another piece with a generous dollop of refried beans. We alternated between that combination and peter, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. One of the older children stacked the sandwiches back inside the bread bags to take to the warehouse because they we worked until nine at night. After work, we would drive home and eat a meager, meager dinner before heading to bed, only to repeat the same grueling schedule the next day. Day
0: after day after day. That is sad. It is sad. Fortunately, as children, they rarely rarely realize that they are in the dire straits that they're really in because children don't comprehend that. I probably wouldn't have comprehended it either if abuse didn't follow along with my experience. If you're not abused as a child, you can handle poverty. You can handle lack of things if you've got love and and understanding. But when you've got abuse and no love, then it's a different story too. So I do, I, I can certainly relate to many of I'm these sure stories. Hmm. And it's, it's interesting because almost without exception, each of these stories from different polygamy groups, but the plural wife will include their poverty and their lack of adult supervision for the children while their mothers are gone working, or, or she might be watching all of these children while, while the, others the other wives working. are working. Yeah. Children were and often are left in the care of other children. That happens. A lot. A lot. Their descriptions of ransacking through garbage dumpsters for food is common. It's surprising how similar these stories are, even though they're describing different polygamy groups and different time frames, different generational times. Now we're going to take a look at (coughs) the infamous Kingston group, (laughs) which is the one that I was raised in, and how did they deal, how do they deal with these huge polygamous families. Nicole Mothy... Uh, wrote a book we had her on, our sh- on the show mm. a couple of years ago I think yeah. uh, she wrote a book entitled The Leader's Daughter and she described poverty in the Kingston group she's a daughter of Paul Kingston who is the prophet leader of what is often called the Kingston Crime Family Polygamy Group it is a group which I was born and raised as I said and believe me they believed and preached and still do that living in poverty and being happy to do it was a sure sign of righteousness. (laughs) And God owed each one a great big reward in heaven for suffering without complaint. And believe it or not, that helps them put put them under the control of what they want them to do. So we're going to begin with her description of how huge polygamous families were or were not supported.
1: Oh, this is terrible. When everyone was out of bed, we would be fed raw oats, raisins, and raw milk that was usually way too sour way too creamy. Our dishes were, would usually be an old carton that, was once, that once held cottage cheese or sour cream, and a spoon that was either plastic or too big for our mouths. While we enjoyed wick foods at my mom's home, my grandmother's home was a different story. Most of our food came from the garbage my grandfather picked up for the animals on the farm. Rarely did we have any food that had not expired and that we were not cutting the moldy parts off melons and cantaloupes. Cheese was rare at my mother's house because it was so expensive, but at my grandmother's house we found huge bricks of it in the garbage. Once the mold was cut off, it actually tasted great.
0: (laughs) And again, you know, they... (laughs) Cut
1: off the mold.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they got some food, Mm. even though they had to go through that to get it. Um, When I was growing up, we weren't raiding the dumpsters like they are now in the Kingston group. Um, but I, we lived close to the uh, potato chip factory, and when us kids would walk home in from Caseville? school, in, in Caseville, Caseville yeah. mm, the Clover Club factory, right. we would raid their garbage cans because the only way we'd ever get to eat potato chips was if
1: we <laughs> found them in the garbage. <laughs> in huh? their garbage,
0: it's kind of uh, interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Our diet, of course, was very limited since the group not only follows Joseph Smith's word of wisdom, but they've added much more to it, of course, making it a sin to enjoy any food that actually tastes good. When I was growing up, sugar, salt, mayonnaise, candy, cookies, cheese, cakes, and so on were not even allowed in our home, and they were not good for us. Oh, Nicole continues her description of the poverty <clears throat> from pages 16 and 17.
1: The farm workers would collect old expired food from local grocery stores to feed the animals. There would be large piles of boxes full of Hostess cookies, Twinkies, cupcakes, yogurt, cottage cheese, and other things we weren't able to buy because of our low incomes and strange health beliefs. The old food would be fed to the farm animals. If we didn't get to it first, there you go. everyone from the farm came from poor families. My grandfa- grandmother's husband owned pawn shops and had done well for himself. But because she was not the first wife, you couldn't see that in my grandmother's home or any of her belongings. She drove rundown vehicles that were known for their embarrassing aesthetics, but they lasted forever. It was the same for all the other women on the farm. Most of them were second, third, or fourth wives, which meant they didn't get any income or support from their husbands. My grandmother got a deal from the nearby bakery to collect all their outdated bread. She would take that bread to church on Sunday and sell it to earn an income my goodness. Isn't that awful? Yeah.
0: And that answers her question, the question of our viewer, uh, where she says here the second, third or fourth wives did not receive any income or support from their husband. Hmm. The answer is no, they don't. They don't support their family. In the Krinkster group, some men with multiple wives expect each wife to support herself and her children. And many of them work two or three jobs to, in order to bring in enough money to barely get by. Because they have big families, 15, oh, 16, 17 kids. kids—is yeah. not unusual. <clears throat> Some husbands don't work, but they will go from house to house, visiting each wife in her turn, receiving the treatment of a king in each home that he goes to. Oh, and He doesn't support his wife by buying groceries or food or... or um, uh, clothing for her or for the children, hmm. and many men expect his wives to pay him rent to live in a dumpy apartment.
1: So not only support him, but actually pay, pay they rent. They pay him. Oh, boy.
0: And last, I have a quote from a woman who left the All Red polygamy group. She describes how their plural wives struggle to provide necessities for each family.
1: Yeah, this puts a little different perspective on the first wife thing. Mm -hmm. Growing up in the AUB, my dad had two wives and almost a dozen kids. Very small family for the group. But the first wife didn't want to share the income my dad brought in, so my mom, the second wife, went out to work. One of my uncles had four wives. I'm not sure how many kids, but there were a lot. His first wife, my aunt, had 12 kids. The first two wives went out to work and so did their husband. All three supported the other two wives and the kids. What I frequently saw growing up in the AUB was that it was the favorite wife who got most of the income, if not all, and the other wives worked. The favorite wife wasn't necessarily the first wife. There there are a few families that own large construction companies and there are some doctors as well. Those families fare a whole lot better and for the most part the wives don't have to work.
0: Okay, so, so the favorite
1: wife. Huh? The favorite
0: wife, and the favorite wife can <clears throat> doesn't necessarily have to be the first wife, right. as you can see. And the favorite wife status can change because <laughs> if he marries someone younger and prettier, and you know, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's his favorite wife, and the other favorite wife is
1: lost out. Of course, sex never enters into this. <laughs>
0: oh, not at all. No, no. Uh, she, not according to Joseph Smith. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she describes a family, uh, and and we're we're not giving out the name of this woman. She didn't want to be made uh, her name to be known because she's this is current yeah. uh, information. Uh, but she is out of the group now, and she feels like led to talk about it. She describes a family where the husband has five wives and twenty nine hmm. children,
1: Two.
0: and they're all under the age of sixteen, and at least one child on the way, another a pregnant wife. Four of his wives and their children all live together in one house. The other wife lives in a basement apartment. Three of the wives work outside the home, and the other wives are babysitters. Wow. Each wife married right out of school, and so they have no skills, no extra skills that would enable them to, to work where they could earn a higher wage. Two of them receive food stamps and rely heavily on the food bank, so other people are providing for them wow. rather than sure. them providing. their husbands providing. A couple of the teenagers uh, of the family, 14 and 16 years old, work outside the home to help support this big family. There's more.
1: Yeah. Most of the families I knew growing up, growing up were on food stamps. The ones who weren't, that weren't, grew all of their own food. Gardening is a big way they were able to feed all of their kids. One of my aunts had nine kids and she and her children worked in their garden all summer and then canned most of their harvest. They still lived in extreme poverty. There was never enough money to buy the clothes and shoes for all those growing kids. I saw a lot of families too that the husband would visit his wives but wouldn't financially support them in any way. One such example is a man who had three wives and 33 kids. The first wife he supported, and he did very well owning his own plumbing company, but he did not support wife number two or three, and they were left on their own to fend for themselves and their kids. In that family, the wives were not friends, so there was no help with child care. Most of the time, the older kids took care of the younger children.
0: So much yeah, for so the bliss so and, the, and the and the peace uh, and the harmony that sister wives and other polygamous families claim.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, it just isn't there. It's just a facade. Yeah, and as we can see this here, um, the we had we were raised on a farm. She mentions here that the family the gardening was a big way to help feed the. Yeah. The, uh, the family and the bottling and canning of foods which is what we did, in yeah, fact, we, did a lot of uh, we were raised on fresh fruits and vegetables which I do love that part of my childhood <laughs> because of, and we had a huge 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 farm and gardens uh, but it was a lot of work, a lot of hard work sure. and again it's the same as as Susan told and as the other told you worked and worked and worked and you didn't ever have any time to play. you just playing was not God's plan. you <laughs> couldn't enjoy anything in this life. Or God would not reward you.
1: And it was day after day. After Every day. day.
0: Every oh. day of your life. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, Rebecca Kimball uh, is a former polygamist wife who now speaks out very loudly against the abuse. And she urges states to enforce a law that would require polygamous men to support their wives and children using DNA testing if necessary.
1: Wow. Ambitious.
0: <laughs> this, Yeah, very ambitious. This would be a way of proving the dozens of dependents a polygamous man has and render him ineligible for welfare and food stamps. She believes that if the men were forced to support their polygamous families, polygamy may stop mm. or at least decrease. Yeah. The bottom line is polygamous men do not provide for their many wives and dozens of children. In fact, taxpayers are supporting these huge polygamous families through welfare and food stamps, which are funded by, our course, our tax dollars. So to answer mm-hmm. the question that, oh, yeah. that our viewer asked, you and I are supporting those families for the most part. Wow. In the past, we've challenged polygamists with the question, you use the Bible to justify your polygamy. Why don't you use the Bible uh, in your practice of it? Of course, I've never received an, an answer to that question. I would sure like to get a valid answer. The Bible forbids a man marrying his wife's sister while his while his first wife still lives. Still is,
1: yeah.
0: Yet in Mormon polygamy, many men get their plural wives from the same family. I interviewed one lady from the Kingston group, and her husband had four or five wives, and they were all her sisters.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Uh, Joseph Smith married four or five Several sets of sisters.
1: sets of sisters, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah, and yet the Bible forbids it. The Bible also tells a man to support his own family, and if he doesn't, he's worse than an infidel. And of course, in Bible language, that's a very low place to be in God's eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, so they don't use the Bible to, to, only to justify to govern their what polygamy. they want. Right, yeah. yeah, just to do the polygamy. Of course, but the Bible's not a valid. Uh, marriage, monogamy is. And these
1: are thought. such sad stories, and they're from di- so many different groups and, and different time people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not like one person being sour grapes or anything. Right, it's just a right. whole bunch of them that are.
0: Right, and it goes on today. And you know, you talk to the leaders, uh, or even the wives that are still in the group, and they will defend polygamy to the death. My mother would. She went. My mother went through double hell, and yet she defended it to her death. Because she thought she
1: was doing God's will. She thought she it? was doing God's will. Oh,
0: and the sad thing is that is not God's will. It is not God's will. <laughs> and that's why we do what we do, because we want our viewers to know that. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, you Earl. You know, and again, if, if if I don't know, I don't know if, if I don't think the mainstream LDS Church has a clue of the truths of what all this polygamy is really
1: Unless they're I'm reading sure these like. books, and they're probably not. not. Uh, We—it's not anything we talk about. Yeah. In fact, if anything, we glorify polygamy, only because because of, of our ancestors were polygamous, and we believe that we'll be gods and goddesses in the hereafter. So mm-hmm. we'll have pl- probably have plural wives mm-hmm. in heaven. Yeah. So we kind of glorify yeah, it a little they, bit. Yeah. We don't look at the reality of what's going what on. It really yeah. What it really is. What
0: it really And that's the thing. The what fruit, is it really? Fruits of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to speak to plural wives right now. If you are a plural wife and if you watch our program, you need to know, please look into it, that you don't have to do what you're doing. You will not get a reward from God because you suffer deprivation and abuse. Polygamy and poverty is not God's will or his way. We can say that because God has clearly revealed that monogamy is his uh, ideal for marriage, and he also requires a man to support his family. Polygamy is not salvation. Jesus Christ is. If you need help learning more about this, contact us. We would love to have a conversation, totally private, totally confidential and friendly. If you need help getting away so you can live a life without the polygamy, contact us and confidentially, we'll talk you through it and discuss your options. You can live your life that's pleasing to Jesus without any of the hurts and pains and the poverty that polygamy requires. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. Thank you for watching.
1: 425